Costs to originate keep rising, even with more technology in the industry. The problem is the core platform. A new LOS can re-architect the process around data, not humans moving paper files. Vesta has built this LOS, and you can learn more at Vesta.com. Welcome, everyone. I'm Sarah Wheeler, Editor-in-Chief at HW Media, here with the latest episode of the Housing Wire Daily Podcast. Today, my guest is Chris Cloud, the editor of Reverse Mortgage Daily, and we have a lot to talk about. First, here's a word from our sponsor. Since 2015, Finance of America Mortgage and their skilled, award-winning mortgage advisors have helped over 450,000 customers, closing more than $134 billion in loan volume. Licensed in all 50 states, plus Washington, D.C., Puerto Rico, and the U.S. Virgin Islands, Finance of America Mortgage is backed by best-in-class lending technology and a wide range of innovative mortgage products that can help turn any borrower into a customer for life. Want to join an award-winning team and evaluate your business? Visit www.joinfamtoday.com forward slash housing wire to learn more. Finance of America Mortgage LLC is licensed nationwide. Equal housing opportunity. NMLS ID number 1771. www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org. Equal opportunity employer. Chris, welcome back to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me again, Sarah. I really appreciate it. Listen, I feel like every time we talk, um, the reverse mortgage space just keeps getting a little bit hotter. And um, we've got some really interesting things to talk about today, especially uh, mortgage volume in March. So tell me about that story. Yeah, it was really, uh, I was very surprised to hear this. So, um, you know, regular performance metrics for uh, for the industry are usually measured in um, just loan numbers as opposed to dollar volume, like the uh, like the traditional mortgage side. Uh, lenders don't usually release uh, dollar volume for reverse mortgages, but uh, HECM volume, home equity conversion mortgage volume, in March 2022 rose over 26% to over 6,500 loans in a single month. And that's really high. Like the industry has been doing well over the past several months in staying above 5,000. That was seen as like historically good. So hitting over 6,500 is kind of unheard of, certainly during the time that I've been covering the reverse mortgage industry. And we haven't seen a threshold like this since March of 2011. That it, that month in March of 2011, industry volume hit over 7,300 loans, but that was also while um, some of the kinks from the the financial crisis were still being worked out, and it was before a series of major changes started to be implemented into the reverse mortgage program. But um, I mean, all of the the factors that are going into this include just higher home price appreciation. So existing borrowers see opportunities to refinance into a new reverse mortgage to get access to additional proceeds. I think that's really the the beginning and the end of a lot of the reasoning for this. Um, but you also have an industry that has been working a lot over the past several years to uh, reform its image with the public. And uh, some of those efforts seem to start uh, working, especially if this volume level is is any indication. So that was certainly a big moment for, for me to observe just in terms of my own coverage. But I know that the industry is, uh, is very uh, bullish 
on how things are looking at the moment. Whether it's going to maintain that is a whole other question, especially considering a lot of the difficulties we've observed on the forward side. But uh, for what it's worth, reverse volume hitting a level not seen in over a decade is a pretty big story. That is a big story. And to me, it makes sense when you think about the fact that um, this is one of the bright spots in mortgage right now, really. I mean, everybody else is looking at a a pretty rough year. We know that volume is going to fall. Um, we don't have a ton of inventory um, and, and you know, rates are going up. But if you have a reverse mortgage, uh, you don't have to move, right? I mean, there are purchase reverse mortgages, but we're, we're talking about the bulk of them, I believe, are, are in homes people already are, have been in. And so they're taking advantage of the home price appreciation, like you said. And, and so I, I think what we've seen is a lot more interest from um, not only homeowners, but also other mortgage lenders who maybe traditionally didn't have a reverse space. Yeah, and I think the last time that uh, you and I spoke on this show, it was before uh, RMD and HW Media held our reverse mortgage-specific digital event, uh, which has garnered, at least based on what I've been hearing from people, a lot of interest from forward mortgage participants who might be interested in adding reverse to their product mix. Uh, I think a lot of that has to do with the guests that we got because the guests for that event were very, very clear and concise in uh, relaying all of the advantages that they see in terms of offering reverse mortgages. But the fact that there is as much interest as there appears to be from people active on the forward side, I think is reasonably self-explanatory because they're seeing that these demographic shifts probably favor having a reverse in your pocket. And uh, the the response to that event has been spectacular. So um, we'll we'll look on doing some kind of a follow up in the months ahead. That's great. Yeah. No. We we've noted that uh, there is strong interest, as you said, um, across our you know some of the forward mortgage uh, lenders, and then people who have uh, already gotten their you know feet wet doing have some experience in the reverse side, looking to expand that. You know, one of your other stories, recent stories on Reverse Mortgage Daily, is about the White House. Um, Excel seeing in in its budget talking about the strong reverse mortgage performance in 2023. Can you tell us about that? Yeah. So um, when the White House last released a budget proposal, they 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 gave similar language and lip service to the idea that the reverse mortgage program was doing well. But unlike the previous administration at the at the tail end of uh, of that term, when they gave a budget proposal, they had a whole series of of program recommendations that they th- said that they were going to pursue uh, in order to stabilize the HECM program further. When the Biden administration came into office, uh, they made no such recommendations, which I thought was a little bit um, curious, but not uh, not outright strange. But now they seem to be saying that they're very confident in the fiscal performance of the Heckam Book of Business inside the Mutual Mortgage Insurance Fund. So uh, the the budget document revealed that the Heckam program is projected to operate at a credit subsidy equal to negative four point one nine percent in fiscal twenty twenty three, and because it's a negative ratio that they're saying, that means that they believe it's going to generate receipts for the federal government as opposed to costing the mutual mortgage insurance fund. So that's already a sign of positivity because 
in several years beforehand, the reverse mortgage program was seen as a drag on the fund and that forward mortgages were kind of subsidizing uh, reverse mortgages to a degree, but that's not the case anymore. So the Heckam's generated to project more receipts than it will pay out in claims for the year's book of business. So we might be seeing by the end of the year, uh, a second consecutive year in which the Heckam book of business hit positive territory. And last year it did so for the first time since 2015. So that's not uh, largely due to just the actions of a single administration. It's really been a cumulative process where people have been trying to identify potential shortcomings in the Heckam program and, uh, in order to strengthen it for years to come. So a lot of the uh, responses that we've seen um, in terms of uh, like policy changes to the Heckam program from multiple administrations, from multiple political parties, seem to be having what their intended uh, impacts were. So uh, based on the uh, estimates that were detailed in the proposed budget, the credit subsidy for the HECM program uh, means that it's actually estimated to outperform the credit subsidy of the entire MMI fund. So that's kind of surprising to see because, uh, you know, that also includes a forward mortgage program. Um, but it should be encouraging for people within the reverse mortgage industry to see that there is this documented confidence, at least in terms of the raw numbers, from the people who are most equipped to make decisions on behalf of the reverse mortgage program. Really interesting there. And tell us a little bit. There's a pilot program, right? The Home Equity Accelerator Loan. And that's supposed to really um, be able to do, you know, to test new loan products designed to lower barriers to home ownership for first generation and or low wealth first time home buyers. So that's a really interesting product for the, the Heckam space. It might be. It's hard to tell at this point just because there's not a lot of, uh, of documented occurrences with that program yet. And uh, the reason that I, I felt uh, compelled to include it in the initial report was because that is a program, even though it was just introduced last year, that's estimated to cost the fund as opposed to the Heckam program and the forward mortgage program. But it's it, this is an administration that has really, really prioritized uh, first-time homebuyers and homebuyers who might be uh, in situations or a part of communities that are underserved and underrepresented. And it looks like the HEAL pilot program that you alluded to is one of the ways in which they're trying to uh, to, to answer those, those concerns and those realities. Um, and another way is uh, by trying to make properties that are uh, technically under the ownership of the federal government available to more types of people. I wrote a story recently about how uh, a lot of uh, properties that had been formally secured by a reverse mortgage, uh, but who did not have heirs or non-borrowing spouses to still occupy those properties are now being put up for auction. Uh, and they're made, being made specifically available to like nonprofit organizations and NGOs to try and get uh, more uh, more underrepresented people into houses. So the HEAL program and the, uh, the, the targeted auction are just some of the, the indications of what the priorities of the current administration are in relation to home ownership. It makes it difficult at times to talk about what their priorities are when it comes to seniors and especially senior homeowners because that's not really a priority for them right now. 
but that's understandable. The the federal government at large and, and certainly the Department of Housing and Urban Development have a lot of housing priorities that they have to try and manage. So it's understandable that reverse mortgages aren't at the top of the list. And I think the reverse mortgage industry is used to that being the case. But it's still interesting to see and to track how the reverse mortgage program could impact those other priorities. And I think that the auction I described is a key example of that. It really is. And, you know, the fact that they, um, this pilot program is looking to get first time home buyers into HECM products. So, so that just shows you that, like, I mean, one of the things about having equity in your home is that you had to have equity, you know, you had to have wealth to start with a certain amount of wealth to own a home, right? So maybe already the fact that, you know, you own a home and it's appreciated, maybe. Um, there's some some looking back and saying those people had some advantages or, or whatever. So I think what's so interesting about this is that they have combined their interest in getting you know first time home buyers and they're looking at home buyers that are that are elderly, right? Or they wouldn't be uh, looking for reverse mortgages. So to to combine those two, I think is really interesting and also kind of out of the box, right? Like like you said, I mean, looking for how do we get those people into a home at this and they've never had a home before. Yeah. And I mean, really, it just speaks to uh, what the the priorities of the administration are going to be. Uh, I have not seen anything significant regarding the success of the pilot program, but it seems to be a, a significant priority. And it's understandable because so many of the problems related to housing right now, the housing issues are rampant. So having the federal government try and step up to, to provide some kind of a solution, that's what you want them to be doing, ideally. Um, but it's, it's hard to tell specifically how the HEAL program is totally going to relate to, to the dynamics of the reverse mortgage industry, at least in totality. But it's certainly an interesting development, and it's one that the RMD news desk is going to keep an eye on. I love that. Well, uh, tell us a little bit more about some of the reverse mortgage-related legislative proposals that you could see in, in that same budget. Yeah, so they made several. Um, the first one details changes that HUD would like to see regarding non-borrowing spouses because they say that current law in relation to, to N- NBSs, or is the acronym that we often use to describe non-borrowing spouses, current law is ambiguous on the limits of foreclosure protections like deferrals that can lead to questions of availability to certain NBSs that weren't identified at the time of HECM origination. So a non-borrowing spouse... Um, One of the issues in previous years before some of the reforms were handed down was that you had loan originators who were erroneously informing borrowers uh, to keep their spouses off of the title. And that created a whole host of issues that the industry had to then try and correct in concert with the federal government. Now, no such language or encouragement exists from from responsible HECM originators. uh, And it's always encouraged that NBSs are placed on title whenever possible. Um, but for those situated borrowers and NBSs who might not have, uh, who, who might have been in sort of the wiggle room between the time that these uh, new regulations didn't exist and the time that they were handed down, additional clarity is necessary. And you have organizations like the National Consumer Law Center who are telling representatives of HUD and of the reverse mortgage industry as much. So seeing that codified as a legislative recommendation, I think is encouraging for the industry because it's always been a a space that has encouraged additional I guess regulation is the right word, but certainly guidance 
from the federal government to make sure that borrowers are as protected as possible. Every industry authority that I've ever spoken to has always welcomed those kinds of discussions. So seeing that uh, uh, actually listed as a, as a key thing to discuss is, is encouraging, I think. Um, the next proposal is about removing the existing HECM loan cap. Uh, so there's a statutory cap on the number of HECM loans that can be insured by FHA, but that's a cap that most of the time is waived anyway. So it's kind of useless if they're just going to waive it. You might as well uh, make um, a, a change to HECM policies so that that cap isn't there. If it's not going to exist, then what's the point of it being there? That's basically all that comes down to. And um, HUD is also proposing the removal of what it says is obsolete language that's directly related to the use of a study that has often been cited to determine HECM premiums, but that study is from 2001. So there's been a lot of changes to the (laughs) HECM program in over 20 years. So it makes sense to just kind of push that to the side. And honestly, I'm surprised that that uh, hasn't already been implemented, but uh, HUD and FHA are making the recommendation to do so. And um, finally, they're they're making a recommendation for reverse mortgage counseling as it relates to HECM to HECM refinances. So under current law, any prospective borrower has to uh, go through HUD approved counseling in order to qualify for a HECM, except that a borrower can waive the requirement for a refinance if less than five years have passed since the closing date of their current loan. So um, the proposal that they're putting forward here would extend the counseling requirement to refinances of uh, reverse mortgages obtained within the last five years. So there's a lot of things that they think need to be shored up. It's nothing transformative, but reverse mortgage changes rarely are. It's usually very incremental, and uh, we'll have to see if these legislative changes are actually enacted by Congress. Uh, Congress has a lot of other priorities as well, so it's hard to see them uh, pushing these to the front of the line, but we'll certainly be keeping an eye on this too. That counseling requirement is just such a sticking point, isn't it? So, um, you know, that's that's one of the things you were reporting about during the, you know, shutdowns of the pandemic is like, I mean, obviously that really was uh, affecting things if people had to meet in person. And it's interesting that that they feel like if it's been less than five years, you still have to go back through counseling to me, it seems like a you know putting up another hurdle there. I know they would say it's you know keeping people safe, and I'm sure we could debate the the merits of like regulation as opposed to you know go one side or the other is probably too much. But um, that counseling requirement, yeah, it certainly seems to have been a, a quite a sticking point since the COVID era, as you pointed out. Now. There's only one state on the books right now that requires in-person counseling, and that requirement has been waived for the moment. Um, But the fact that other states are entertaining that option uh, is not encouraging for members of the reverse mortgage industry uh, because an in-person counseling requirement directly conflicts with with – I mean, stay-at-home orders are largely a thing of the past, at least right now, but uh, that doesn't diminish that seniors are still more susceptible to developing serious illness if they contract COVID-19, and um, you want to try and keep them safe. That's that's the name of the game, and if uh, if they're entertaining a requirement that might put that in danger, then why pursue it? 
But um, apparently, at least in, in certain states where additional counseling requirements are being entertained, there are supposedly exceptions written into them. And I know that uh, the National Reverse Mortgage Lenders Association, for instance, has tried to communicate the necessity of those exceptions being written into any laws that are passed. So it, it's all still to be determined at this time, though. And uh, it'll be fascinating to see how it unfolds. But yeah, like you said, there's a lot of dynamics in play. Well, let's uh, let's talk about another one that that um, another story that you've done recently um, that that concerned the National Consumer Law Center and some of their views on what's going on. I know um, that you had them on as a guest on one of your recent podcasts. So, so talk about that. Yeah, we had Sarah Balling Mancini, who's a staff attorney with the NCLC, and she's really a reverse mortgage subject matter expert. And one of the reasons that I wanted to ask her to come on the show is because her expertise was actually called on to testify in front of a House subcommittee. Like she, she is at that level where she's sitting next to um, other government officials as well as leaders at Nirmala, uh, trying to give as much good, solid, accurate information to rever- to um, lawmakers about reverse mortgages as possible. So we talked about a wide variety of things. She discussed uh, the general interaction that the organization has had with the reverse mortgage industry and the work that they sometimes do in the realm of reverse mortgages on behalf of borrowers, which is largely to ensure that borrowers are well situated and that they're not at risk of foreclosure. Uh, foreclosure and reverse mortgages are a sticky topic because naturally um, reverse mortgages are concluded by foreclosure, but it's usually after the borrower has passed away. Uh, so it doesn't result in a displacement, and it usually happens without incident, especially if there's no uh, no heir after the borrower passes away to try and uh, maintain or keep the home. Uh, foreclosure is just the natural way that they end. But in situations where there might be shortcomings in the regulations or in actions related to servicing and a foreclosure could result in a displacement of a borrower – that's where you have to have these other consumer advocates potentially come into play. Sometimes those issues are resolved at the servicing level, but in instances where they're not, that's where organizations like the NCLC feel like they can step in and make a difference. Um, So Sarah told me about uh, how there are certain consumer advocates that come to reverse mortgages, generally with a lot of skepticism and uh, and a belief that the the, the product can be exploitative and predatory. And uh, while there have been certain circumstances where the product has been misused or where there are misrepresentations made to the borrower at the outset, the NCLC uh, has a different view. She told me, quote, on the whole, we believe this is a loan that can be really helpful to low-income older adults that whether their house is their main asset and if they don't have a lot of retirement savings or other assets, this can really enable them to live with dignity and stability in their older years and to borrow against their home equity without the risk of being displaced. So the general thesis that the NCLC operates by when they interact with the reverse mortgage industry is that this can be helpful to senior borrowers, particularly those who are behind on on saving for retirement, which is a lot of people. And that's a problem that's only going to get worse. So um, the NCLC has worked in concert with the trade association on multiple occasions. It seems like they have a great working relationship and um, they are very dedicated to the specifics of, of making sure that correct information is both consumed and dispersed about reverse mortgages. So they seem to be a feather in the cap of the industry. And at the end of the day, 
any responsible reverse mortgage professional will want to ensure that their borrowers are protected. And uh, this is an organization that that's their whole mission statement. Yeah, it's really interesting to hear that from them. And I think, you know, one of the points that she makes in that story or she made to you is that it's possible that some of the critics just aren't aware of the the regulatory changes that the FHA sponsored home equity conversion mortgage HECM has gone through, right? And and maybe you could just on always on these programs, you know, give us a, a very high level quick view of what some of those are because people listening to this might not know either. Yeah, I mean a lot of the changes that have taken place over the last uh let's say eight to 10 years, you know, they're not really very well publicized. What is publicized are instances in which a a foreclosure has resulted in a displacement. And that's where a lot of this mistrust of reverse mortgages comes from. But, uh, you know, the Department of Housing and Urban Development has done a lot in in recent years to try and uh, reshape uh, regulations related to non-borrowing spouses. Um, they've tried to make uh, more clearly upfront information available regarding uh, reverse mortgage insurance premiums and uh, really just communicating the potential benefits that this could have for a qualifying borrower. Conversation always permeates the industry about how how many people can be adequately helped by a reverse mortgage. And while there are a lot of borrowers who are in that sort of last resort scenario, that because of that, it, it invariably leads to a perception that it is only for people who are uh, in a desperate financial situation. But one of the things that helps to push back against that at least a little bit is that more financial advisors are starting to see potential benefits from reverse mortgages, particularly the standby line of credit. If you have investment volatility, then you can draw on a line of credit. If the market goes down and can resume drawing on your investments once once the market stabilizes. That's just one very brief example. But um, really, the reverse mortgage industry is always going to do what it can to emphasize the different kinds of utility that someone can uh, can derive from a reverse mortgage, but that is really hard to emphasize when you do have stories that persist about older kinds of reverse mortgages that did not have as many borrower protections resulting in displacements. And um, look, it's not like those stories aren't worth telling. They absolutely are because you don't want people to be in those kinds of situations. It's necessary to have those discussions. And I think uh, every reverse mortgage industry leader will tell you as much. Um, But when those stories start to overtake what the current realities are for a product that has been evolving constantly since it was first made available, uh, you have to to try and draw a line and to uh, and to communicate to people there are new borrower protections that are in place, and the reverse mortgage is not a static thing it 's not something that has been unchanged since the law that President Reagan signed first brought the Heckham program into existence. You have to take those changes into account, and there are so many of them <laughs> in, the, in the last thirty years that it 's difficult to give like a, a, a an extraordinarily comprehensive soundbite about all of the changes that the program has gone through in that respect. All I'll do is point a shameless plug and say, please keep reading Reverse Mortgage Daily, and we will keep you up to date on all of the changes that the Reverse Mortgage Program goes through. Hey, it is not a shameless plug. The truth is that is what we're trying to do with that, and that is what you have been doing uh, with that you know, brand for years is, is really bringing out some of these stories and telling the whole story. So it's not like we shy away from when things go bad. We're going to talk about that, but 
it is a different product than many people have, you know, know about and the stories that they've heard or, or keep in their mind are, are from before those changes. So I think it's, it's a great one to bring up. Well, thank you. I mean, I appreciate it. And of course, uh, being a partner now of HW Media has given us uh, additional latitude and, and freedom to tell stories that uh, we might not otherwise have had access to telling. So the, the partnership thus far has been very, very strong. And I'm greatly encouraged by the amount of industry activity that is taking place. And we're going to do everything that we can to not only tell the reverse mortgage industry itself about all of the changes that affect the day-to-day working lives of people who are involved in the profession, but any forward mortgage professional who is reverse mortgage curious, uh, they now have a direct path to seeing all of the dynamics that are shifting and changing in that space uh, via housing wires. So it's a very exciting time to be in the chair at RMD, but also it's just a very interesting time for the reverse mortgage industry considering all of the activity, all of the volume that we're seeing, but also the dynamics regarding rates and home price appreciation and how those might translate into yet another development and evolution of the, the ongoing story of reverse mortgages. It is an exciting time. We're happy to have you uh, being the editor of Reverse Mortgage Daily, keeping us all informed. Um, so Chris, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Thank you again very much for having me, Sarah. Always a pleasure to speak with you on the show. How have the 2022 housing market forecast changed? Or how is the industry navigating the shift to a purchase-driven market? HousingWire's premium content program, HW+, answers questions like these and offers a variety of member-exclusive benefits that are tailored to what you need to stay competitive and agile in today's fast-paced market. Go to housingwire.com forward slash membership to join today. With your HW Plus membership, you get access to longer-form digital content, the HousingWire magazine, member-exclusive rates to in-person events like HousingWire Annual, and more. Thanks for listening to Housing Wire Daily. If you haven't already, we'd love for you to take a minute to rate the show and leave a comment. And make sure to tune in tomorrow for more news and insight.